Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 179. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs. And on today's episode, I'm excited to have a conversation with Katie, who runs a professional freelance photo editing business from the road in her RV. Katie was second shooting weddings for a long time before she got burned out. This is something that Alyssa and I did in video for quite some time, and I can understand that after a period of time of filming or photoing weddings, it is a high stress, pretty intense environment. And so it was no surprise that after years of doing this, Katie started to feel a little bit burned out. One of her friends started a photo editing business and was telling Katie all about it. She got really excited, went to apprentice with her friend, then started her own that she's been running for the past couple of years. She's been not only able to replace her photography business for weddings, but also replace her husband's income as well. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode with Katie because we meet a lot of photographers out on the road who are trying to create different types of businesses, whether they're doing prints or portraits or landscape photography or selling as stock photography. There's so many different ways to slice photography as a business on the road. And editing is one that totally makes sense on so many levels. In this episode, we really dig into the nuts and bolts of what you need to do if you want to start a remote freelance photography editing business and also come up with a shorter name for that whole thing that I just said. So we talk about how many images Katie edits for each job, how she works on finding long-term clients and not just one-off jobs, how she handles large file transfers while being completely remote, and how to develop your own style as an editor. We dig into a lot more in this episode and she gets really tactical and provides a lot if you're thinking about wanting to start this. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Katie. Katie, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Excited to be here. All right. So you're currently in Hawaii right now, hanging out with your family. And yeah. you and your fiance have been on the road now for over a year. And what's fun is now that I've done like a little over 150 episodes, maybe like 180, honestly, always have to like go to iTunes. It's really <laughs> pathetic. I have to go to iTunes now and like search which episode I'm on. But I haven't interviewed anybody who has a photo editing service-based business from the road right now. So you're the first one of those. Congratulations. Oh, exciting. <laughs> There's a lot of us out there, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So I guess take us back to the beginning of what you were doing a few years ago and how or why you basically made the transition from filming weddings, or I mean, I'm sorry, shooting photography at weddings into what you're doing now. As soon as I got out of college in 2013, I immediately dove into wedding photography and started my business. I started uh, second shooting for other photographers to get to know the business. And I knew that it was something I could do and just go for. So ever since 2013, I hustled for that and I was shot wedding photography for about four years. I was really, really busy. By the second year, I had kind of it kind of just took off and I was shooting over 25 weddings a year. I was working on the weekends and the evenings and I was able to travel out of the country a few times. And I really started noticing that I was getting burnt out really fast and I hit my goals really quickly, which was great. And I was really grateful for it, but it burnt me out really, really quickly. And so by mid 2017, I kind of realized that you know, something had to change. I wanted to be home more with my family and I wanted to be able to travel freely. So that was really when I started diving into private photo editing. I had a colleague that I actually 
shot photography with. And she told me that she transitioned into photo editing because she recently had uh, two kids and she wanted a job that allowed her to be more at home on the weekends and during the day and had that flexibility that she needed because she was also having to travel for wedding photography a lot on the weekends as well. And she, I went over to her house and she, I, you know, I said, tell me about this photo editing thing. What's it like? And she showed me everything and she said, you know, it's really great. I'm able to use a skill that I already have and provide a service for, you know, other photographers that were just like us that were struggling to stay on top of their editing and needed help with, you know, an outsourcer that they trusted to edit their photos for them. She was like, it's just, it's great. I don't have to work on the weekends. I get to control how many clients I have and how much I edit. She was like, if you want, you know, you can start editing for me. You can become an associate editor and get to learn the business a little bit. And so it was kind of, it was kismet because she was actually one of the photographers that I second shot for whenever I just got out of college and was wanting to learn the wedding photography business. So I knew at that time when she was offering to kind of mentor me into photo editing, that this was definitely the right path for me. And it opened, obviously all of our dreams of traveling, opened up all of those possibilities for us. Yeah, I, I can imagine like pretty much the one thing I've seen in common with a lot of people who are professional wedding photographers or videographers is burnout to some extent right. because it's so intense. Even though you work on the weekends, a lot of people are probably like, oh man, it's such a nice gig. You work two days yeah. a week, but those two days a week are intense. I mean, yeah. you're right. Like it's, first of all, it's the most important day in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. Not, I, I actually don't believe that, but it's a super <laughs> important day. And a lot in of people moment, yes. in the moment, <laughs> it feels like the most important day in your life. And it right. is definitely one of the, you know, the highlights and things people remember. And a lot of that pressure rides on photographers. And what I've learned, because Alyssa and I did some second shooting of weddings several years ago when we were getting started, is that a lot of times our photographers are not just the photographers, but you're almost like the coordinator that day because nobody knows what they're doing. And if they don't have a coordinator, it's almost like the photographer's job to run the wedding. Yes, completely. It was very emotionally draining just because, you know, you're excited, you're working hard, you don't realize your whole body hurts. <laughs> and, and you kind of have that what we call the wedding hangover, the professional wedding hangover, where the next day you kind of just don't want to talk to anybody. You just need to re recoup. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what's been really nice about photo editing is all of my corresponding is through email. And, you know, I have the occasional FaceTime or phone call consultation with client inquiries for photo editing. And, you know, those usually last around 30 minutes. So it's nowhere near as emotionally draining as maybe shooting a whole weekend of weddings. So it's it's been a really nice transition. Yeah, I, I want to get into like what you did to get that business started. I know you kind of went and apprenticed your, one of your friends, but I guess one thing I, I really don't know anything about because I'm not a professional photographer, but with video, it's kind of like it helps to have at least shot video to understand the editing process. Mm -hmm. Do you think you need to be like a baseline photographer to understand how to do decent editing or is it different in that you can probably you can just jump in and learn the skills of editing? I think that really anyone can learn photo editing as a photo editor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, de um, it's definitely different editing your own work than it is editing for other people. So my type of photo editing that I do is, it's more um, batch editing. So I'll edit really large galleries, 
which are typically weddings or events. And what's great about photo editing as a service is that your main goal is to mimic and edit like the photographer that you're helping. So that photographer will send over images that are already edited. So it's kind of just, it's really simple. I don't want to make it sound as simple as copy and pasting settings in, you know, Lightroom, but it really kind of to an extent it is that simple. So as long as you have, you know, this photographer's photos, a few, at least a handful of photos that they've already edited, going from there, you can kind of take those and edit and mimic those edits or whether it's copy and pasting and adjusting. So as far as photo editing as a service goes, I think anyone, you know, that isn't colorblind can, can learn how to become a photo editor because it is a different world than trying to creatively edit your own pictures for your own use. How many photos does the average photographer take at a wedding? Oh, so much. It can, it can really range. <laughs> like 2,000, uh, so, 3,000? Right, yeah. It's usually around 2,000 to 3,000. I try to encourage my clients to shoot less. But what they'll do is they actually get the send me the galleries already called down. So calling is taking a group of images and then calling them down to the final selections. And so what I receive are the final selections, and then I edit and polish them from there. So typically, on average, my galleries are about around 750 images. So they're not too huge, and they only take me about three or so hours to complete each job. Gotcha. And I'm assuming you probably have to invest in a little bit of like high-quality Dropbox gigs or some type of Pix.com membership right. to, to basically yeah, account for all of those. Yeah, the file transfers can be big, but actually not as big as you're thinking. So Adobe Lightroom has this amazing feature called Smart Previews, where um, you know Lightroom is a software that actually, it doesn't store photos, it locates them on your hard drive. So when, when you create what are called Smart Previews, it's just basically data. So it's just developed data and developed settings from these images. And so whenever I receive a gallery to edit, it's actually just the develop and preview settings of the images and not the images themselves. Okay. So it's kind of as if I'm virtually hopping into their office and editing in their own Lightroom and then just sending develop settings back. So these file transfers are actually only around a gigabyte for a full gallery. So gotcha. it, that's what makes, I think if the, if the file transfers weren't that small I think I I don't think I would be able to do this on the road <laughs> because yeah, it, would, totally. it'd be, it would take too long to exchange those files but since they're only gigabytes I'm able to use we have four Verizon jetpacks that I use so it usually on a busy month I'll use one jetpack a week exchanging those files but then again I am a really high volume editor so it will take a little bit of data for me to exchange those files even though they're fairly small why did you guys get four Verizon jetpacks because sometimes I have really busy months. So I got it for the, the speed. So, you know, after I think 16 gigabytes, the speed falls off, mm -hmm. uh, the, the transfer speed yeah. or the upload speed. But I, I like, I don't like waiting eight hours for one file to upload. So, so what do you pay got, a month for, for four It's actually of not bad. It's only, I think, 20 or $25 <clears throat> per jetpack a month. Oh, that isn't bad. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was paying about 90 for internet and our sticks and bricks. So it really wasn't a huge problem. And I, 
it's one of my only business expenses. So <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we go through like some, I wouldn't call, I would call them like gray market connections to get like the unlimited plans. And I think it's like 180 a month for the Verizon one. It's really steep and it's like went up and you also have the risk of they like, I think Verizon shuts those down sometimes if you're using right. too much data, but it is truly unlimited, which is nice. So there's that, you don't have to worry about the throttling. So I think we, we yeah. switched to like AT&T. That's always like an interesting conversation. I'm just waiting for Elon Musk to get like Starlink up. Do you know what that is? Yeah, no. Okay, so he's basically working on getting like global Wi-Fi for everybody all the time. That would, so even if you're that would like help me out course. a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not like betting anything on that super soon, but they're like, they're working on it. So it could happen. Yeah. No, I was just going to mention uh, whenever our jetpacks go out, we always hit up the trusty McDonald's. They actually have pretty fast Wi-Fi for upload speeds. And of course, Starbucks occasionally, but the speeds can vary. But whenever our jetpacks go out, it's always trusty to go to your closest McDonald's. McDonald's is clutch. You're probably going to end up spending less per visit too. I mean, you might, really? they have pretty yeah. good, you know, coffee still and things like that. We exactly. like their smoothies. So. <laughs> I have no shame in my McDonald's game. Exactly. So going back to starting the business, you had a pretty successful photography business doing six figures. And like when you talked with your boyfriend, now fiance at the time, was there any kind of fear with making that transition? I've talked to quite a few people who have went from like a wedding based business and essentially kind of some of the problems you ha I would assume you had to deal with is like, how quickly do I quit taking on clients? You know, like there's going to be a drop in income. How fast do I need to get, you know, new clients for, for this new kind of business? So kind of walk me through, I guess, that transition from going from, you know, booking out tons of sessions and doing lots of weddings to getting to the point where this could provide a full-time income. Right. It was actually all about the timing of it. So I started diving into photo editing and creating a separate page on my photography website about my photo editing services in the spring of 2017. So um, in the spring is right before wedding photography seasons begins. And I knew that if I wanted to completely go into photo editing and not book any more wedding photography for 2018, that the spring, starting in the spring with photo editing was a must because with anything in the wedding industry, it's all about timing. So I knew that if I started my photo editing business in the spring and worked towards it all year part-time while I was still shooting weddings full-time at that time, I knew that by the end of 2017, if everything had been established, I could, well, the plan was to hopefully go into 2018 full-time with photo editing. And um, I quickly realized that it was very possible. So within the first three months of setting up my photo editing business, which honestly didn't require much. I just created a separate page on my wedding photography site. And I started, um, you know, making connections with photographers in the in industry on Instagram and in Facebook groups and started you know, helping people with their editing problems and just kind of networking and telling people that my services are now out there with with some of that sorry to jump in like yeah, i love yeah. that so what are some of the specific like facebook groups that you joined that were really helpful i joined facebook groups that were specific to my style to my niche and so whether that means you know presets there's a lot of presets that you can buy for adobe lightroom and a lot of them will have facebook groups that the creators of those presets will make and so I joined all of those groups and, you know, all of them are photographers just helping each other saying, hey, what do you think about this edit? What do you think about that edit? And of course, there are other 
photography groups of just photographers sharing business advice, photography advice, camera gear advice within basically within every style niche of the wedding photography industry. So it's just about finding those those groups. And I, I found mine because I was already in them with my own style. And I just started, you know, searching photo editor in those groups and I started helping people with their editing and just, you know, mentioning in the comments as I was helping them um, with their editing problems, just mentioning, hey, I'm a private photo editor. Here's a link to my site if you ever need any help. And of course, like from there, I just kept getting DMs on Facebook about their interest and talking about outsourcing more. And I started posting in these Facebook groups about, you know, if anyone has any questions about sourcing, not really advertising my my services, but just asking them if they have any questions about mm -hmm. private photo editing. Because there's a lot of photographers that go for these larger companies online that will quickly and very cheaply edit your photos for you. And a lot of them have really bad experiences. And so when photographers turn to private photo editors, they're looking for that one-on-one -on -one connection. They're looking for someone they can trust and someone that they know will learn their style over time and someone that they can keep for years and years. Mm. No, I love that. So many people jump in Facebook groups and they just like blatantly start promoting their stuff instead of like being right. a community member. And I've seen that mm -hmm. and it's not really hard at all. But joining a group and for the first like several months, you know, just trying to be helpful, get to know the other people in the community. And then when relevant, if it makes sense and it's okay with the group, you know, like just posting in the comments and saying like, hey, you know, here's the answer to your question. By the way, if you want more help, I do this professionally and, you know, you, I'd love to talk to you. We have a lot of people in our Facebook group. Like one that comes to mind is Shri and Chris who run RV Mobile Internet and they are so helpful for so many people in our group. So I'm like happy whenever they post something about like, hey, here's this guide for helping people get internet. It's a huge pain point. I don't know. So a lot of people do that in not the best way. I want to talk about like pricing. So whenever you were shooting weddings professionally, like what were your rates then is like for your package? I'm assuming something within the couple thousand dollar range, maybe less more. And then like how has that transitioned into photo editing? Yeah, it's actually... A little similar so I was in the $4,000 range and upwards depending on if I needed to travel I was traveling a lot which is kind of why once I raised my prices I had to I was kind of forced to start traveling to these bigger areas and places that you just have to travel all weekend for so it was definitely a cut in income whenever I had to transition to photo editing but I was determined to quickly not I didn't really want a gap in income when it came to that, at least not too much. Uh, my main goal was to achieve full-time income by 2018. So I decided to price myself as a photo editor, editor beginning at premium pricing because I knew that in my niche, in my wedding photography niche, I had a style that was in demand and that I saw a lot of photographers struggle with achieving the specific editing style and I knew that if I started at premium pricing, that these photographers would be attracted to my style and would hire me and would, you know, gladly and happily pay that premium rate with a photo editor that they could trust in that style. So for me, it was all about niching down and charging a premium price for my services and going ahead and trying to replace my wedding photography client income with photo editing client income. 
So there wasn't a huge gap whenever I was looking at my client income goals. I still, with photo editing, I still have a really similar client goal list. I've cut it down because I don't want to work as much as I did whenever I was a wedding photographer. So I've cut it down quite a bit, but as far as my per client income per year, it hasn't changed too drastically with photo editing. That makes sense. I mean, and if you're if you're charging six to eight thousand dollars for photography for a wedding, you've got a margin to pay somebody like five hundred, a thousand dollars, right, to come in and help you with that mm-hmm. that process. Yes. So going back to your niche and your photo editing niche, like what is that? Is that like the certain types of like presets and things that you use? Like what does that mean when you say you have your own unique niche when it comes to editing? Yeah, that's definitely something that I could dive into for a whole hour, but (laughs) within every, I mean, I'm sure that you and your wife went through this when you're looking for for a photographer for your wedding. It's what style were you attracted to? Were you attracted to the, you know, kind of dark and moody type of edits, or were you attracted to more of that classic, lighter and airier look and feel? Those are the different types of industry niches that we're we're talking about. So with my wedding photography, I was in what you would call the fine art film style of wedding photography. And that was because as a wedding photographer, I was, I shot part film, part digital. So film, you know, the film that you would have to send into the lab to get developed. It's a really, really specific, but the photographers that actually hire me for photo editing are also film photographers as well. So that's what they're hiring me for. They're hiring me for my film emulation specialties and my skill in knowing how to shoot film and knowing how to emulate digital images like film photography. So it's a really, really specific, you know, portion of the industry. But for me, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't a one-stop shop for all photographers. I knew that you know, you're most successful as far as, you know, any service-based business, you're most successful whenever you know your ideal client, your one ideal client, rather than saying you're open shop to everyone. You want to make sure that you can at least identify and attract one ideal client. And then from there, uh, you'll have a client list that are all really similar and all like-minded and all interested in the same aesthetic and style as you and where you all connect really, really well. Yeah, I love that. And I would imagine it's much harder to find a really good editor who knows how to do film. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's very specific. By the way, do do people ever be like, I want dark and moody photos for my wedding? Is that like something that people are seeking out? Maybe like if you're into goth or something like that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I guess dark and moody is kind of, that's more of an editor's term, but it's kind of it's the edits that aren't super dark, but they're a little bit, they're not really light or very airy, if that if that makes sense. They're a little bit more warm toned maybe, or the photography that you see that's a little bit, you can tell it's a little heavily edited. Mm. So whenever you're looking for a photo editor, if you were a photographer, you would kind of go down those two different roads. Are you a more of a dark and moody? or a light and airy. So that's kind of the first the first two paths you have to cross if you're becoming a photo editor. So which which photographer do you want to work for? Mm, gotcha, okay. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just imagine <laughs> a, like a, uh, a bride sitting down, like dark and moody, I'm feeling a little bit grouchy about my <laughs> way. So, 
so when you were talking with some of those early clients and you were you were getting into this and you were pitching your prices, how have you kind of went about narrowing or just honing your pitch over time? Like, what is that real pain point that you're hitting on for brides? Because I imagine that you've kind of refined it over time as you kind of have these different conversations with clients and they're like, oh, I'm scared or whatever. And, you know, how have you kind of refined to solve that pain point for them? Usually it depends on what they're coming to me for. So a lot of the time I have client inquiries that are really desperate. Maybe they just had a baby or they're feeling extremely overwhelmed with their business. Usually these photographers run their business all on their own and they're really struggling to stay on top of their editing. Maybe they're four weddings behind and they need they really, really need help getting on top of those wedding edit, edits for their weddings. Or a lot of the time, it's either they're struggling with their editing style and maybe they feel stuck. Maybe they feel that their brand aesthetically isn't progressing or moving up maybe to this to the a more elevated and refined style. So that's usually half the time it's either one or the other for me, for when clients started reaching out to me. Usually they really, really needed help with an editor and they needed someone they can trust that already understood the style they were going for, or they needed help transitioning their style into a new one. So you've kind of played not only editor, but a little bit of like coach and somebody that they can rely on over time. Because I would assume, I know that Alyssa did freelance video editing for weddings for several years. Like we would get hard drives in the mail and she would edit and send it back and things like that. And a lot of it's like if somebody finds you and they really like working with you, I'm assuming it's repeat. So do you have kind of like an ideal amount of customers that you just cycle through throughout the year? Or is it, do you have a lot of people come in for just one and then leave? How does that work? Right. Yeah. So I actually really discourage inquiries that are just looking for a quick edit or an editor for a season. I definitely made it a point on my website and in my marketing to tell uh, photographers and potential client leads that my services are here for long-term relationships and that I take a lot of time to get to know them and their brand and their style and that I do in order to spend that time and to provide the quality of, of service that I do, I need, you know, a long-term kind of committed relationship with my photography clients. And so my goal is I usually keep the same photography clients year after year. Of course, there are about a handful every year that fall off either, you know, maybe their business is going in a different direction or they're scaling down, whatever the reason, I still do keep the majority of my clients year after year. There are actually a handful of clients that I've had since the very, very, very beginning, since spring of 2017, when I first started my business, I still have those same clients. And so now it's, it's really great because I feel like I'm a part of their team and, you know, we can, we chat on a more casual level and we run like a well-oiled machine at this point with my clients that I get to keep over and over. So I think that's the most rewarding is being a part of their business in a way to where I, I can actually visibly see that with my photo editing services with, you know, they're able to take more time off with their kids or they're able to spend more time growing their business. I've seen how my services have helped them grow in their own life or in their business. I love that. 
So you started your business in the spring of 2017, scaled it up. And I think when we talked before we got on the call that you quit doing weddings altogether 2018 last year, right? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was really scary. <laughs> yeah, and now this is your full-time thing and you're also teaching others what you've learned so that they can learn how to do video editing. And we can kind of uh, share some of those links and stuff at the end. But I guess like you guys have also been traveling around with your fiance now in an RV for a year and transitioning to that. So I guess like, how has it been going from shooting, you know, 80 different sessions a year in person traveling and like, do you miss doing weddings or not at all? <laughs> um, I don't miss doing weddings for the sheer fact that we get to travel. So it was actually really... The, the reason that we started my photo editing business was so we could start traveling. I had the intention of being able to make enough with my photo editing business after one year to allow my fiance to quit his job back at home and we could start traveling. And it's actually been, it feels like it's gone by so fast. It, it's been amazing that I've actually hit all my goals and we've been able to travel while just solely on my photo editing income and it feels it feels like I'm cheating it's 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 been surreal that it's actually all worked out it's amazing I mean a lot of times people don't start a business like this just because they want to start a business I mean you enjoy what you're doing but it's about what it enables so what has I mean it's enabled your fiance to quit his job and what has it looked like for you guys on the road the past year it's been it's been different. It's definitely, it's actually not too different for me because I was still, you know, I've been working for myself since I got out of college. So for me, it hasn't been too different other than obviously the change of scenery every week. But as far as our transition from taking, you know, my business on the road, it hasn't been too different. Of course, we've been Having just, we went through the usual struggles as you know, full-time RVers do of trying to balance traveling and wanting to explore with, okay, I really need to spend the day working and staying inside the RV. That's probably been our biggest challenge because you know, go to all these new places and all you want to do is explore. But since I've been working for myself for most of my 20s, I've been able to kind of discipline myself to staying in the RV today and making sure I get all my work done. So our work week is really similar, you know, to maybe what it would be at home is we wake up early Monday through Friday and try to get our work done early. That way we can get out and walk our dogs and explore wherever we are. What's been your favorite place that you guys have visited over the past year? Oh gosh, I'm sure this is the same for everyone that first starts traveling, <laughs> but for us, it's probably Sedona. Okay. We spent six months or well, well sorry, six weeks there. And we never wanted to leave. Of course, we had to because it was getting hot. But yeah, <laughs> that's been our favorite. I made like the worst mistake ever. Our first year on the road, we left Texas, went west, and it was already like summertime at this point. It was like June, but we were going through, and we didn't research this. We didn't know that people were starting to like travel around the country in RVs. That is like a lifestyle, not just like a retired or taking a road trip kind of thing. And I had never heard of Sedona and we like drove past it. We were going to Prescott Valley, Prescott Valley. Oh I'm, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. And we like look across and see these beautiful red rocks. And we had the time, like that's the worst part. We had the time to like go spend a couple days in Sedona and Alyssa really wanted to, and I didn't. And I feel really oh, bad. No. I like, and then now of course, over the past few years of talking to like our RV friends, it's like, you got to go to Sedona. 
But you still haven't gone to Sedona. I still haven't been to Sedona. Oh, no. That's the worst part. Yeah, yeah. I really need to go. At this point, there's I really have no excuses. I just we need yeah. to, and we haven't been to any of the national parks in Utah. There's still so much that we haven't seen as well that we really want to. So your fiance is so he's not working right now. So what is he doing on the road? Like what does that look like for him? Yeah, so for him, actually, for the past six months, we've been working on, he's been my other partner in crime on the photo editor's guide on the course that we're going to teach about how to become a photo editor online. So he's been behind the scenes helping me develop the website and get the course ready. And basically just since I've been working full time in my editing, he's been my, he's been secretly working on the whole course and getting it ready for me. So He's been a great help so far. I mean, when you're talking to somebody who might be interested in being a freelance photo editor, like what are some of the things that you might say to them to for why you enjoy it so much? For me, it's really whenever I was researching other different service-based jobs you can do online, photo editing is one of those where, um, like I mentioned before, it's not creatively very demanding. So it's more of a technical skill that can easily be learned. And the great part about it is the connections you can make with your clients and the fact that as you know, any freelance service-based freelancer, this, the fear is often that every year you have to struggle and scramble to find your clients because it's usually maybe a one project or one year contract. But with photo editing, the great thing about that is you really get to establish a connection with your clients and help them grow their business for the long term. That way, year after year, you're with them and you get to keep your same clients. And at this point, you know, I don't have any more fear that, you know, well, what about next year? That fear that you have as a wedding photographer where it's maybe uh, year after year, you have to, you have a booking season and you have a marketing season and you really have to every year work for your year's worth of income. But with photo editing, as long as you establish a great connection with your clients, it's it's one of the most rewarding parts about my business is that I do get to keep those clients year after year. I love that. That's awesome. And mm -hmm. if somebody wants to and knows zero about photo editing, if I wanted to like, I, I have my Snapseed on my phone and I've used Lightroom a couple times and things like that, but mm -hmm. I, I'm super novice. Like, what, Have there been yeah. any resources or people that you follow that have been the most helpful for you as far as just learning some of those technical skills around photo editing? I actually developed my skills all on my own, I guess, because it was, you know, I've been in business as a photographer for four years, but I, I knew my style and I knew the style in my industry. So I actually didn't really need to do that much research. And I think what's great is what I'm gonna teach in the course is that you can actually learn the skills that I use in you know a weekend's worth of learning and it's a lot of Lightroom is cut you get to cut out the fluff I don't use a lot of the tools in Lightroom and I do fairly really basic edits so I actually spend less than 10 seconds editing one photo whenever I'm editing for my clients so I'm editing really quickly and I'm doing really really standard edits so it's nothing too extremely uh, complicated or difficult so I do think that anyone that has a general interest in photo editing or just really loves wedding photography and likes looking at really pretty pictures, then I think that anyone can learn how to do it and can learn how to do it really quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. The last question I have for you is, I used to ask like, how do you define success? 
and I realized I'd, I, that's not my favorite question anymore. So I've changed that up. <laughs> so my new question is like, what's the biggest thing that you've learned in the past year? It's definitely since the past year was our transition to life on the road and with my new business, it's learning how to prioritize life before work, before ever since college, I always did the opposite. I always prioritized my business and my career first and then my life around it. And obviously that was what burnt me out. So transitioning into RV life and transitioning into a business that allows more flexibility, it's trying to, I've learned slowly, I'm still learning, but I'm still learning how to prioritize life before business. And I think that's why I love photo editing so much is because my clients are doing the same thing by trusting me with their outsourcing, their learning how to prioritize what matters most to them in their life rather than sitting behind the computer all day and shooting all weekend. So I love that it's, we both get to help each other do the same thing. That is an awesome key learning from the past year. Where is a good place for people to connect with you and learn more about photo editing and the course that you've been working on? Yeah, so you can follow our travel Instagram. Uh, it's Kate and Keegan, K-A-T-E and Keegan, K-E-E-G-A-N. And then if you want to get to learn about private photo editing and maybe you're interested in learning how to do it, I will be launching my comprehensive course online that will show you the steps from A to Z. And I'll walk you through every single little step, even if you're a beginner. That's called the Photo Editor's Guide, and it's at photoeditorsguide.com. Awesome. That's a great URL. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Katie. If you want to get the show notes or anything that we mentioned in this episode, you can go to heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. I'll see you all next time. I hope you have an amazing day, and I'll see you soon.